Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he was hitchhiking down the road, and we opened the door and let him in. Much to our surprise, it turned out to be Dr. History. Good morning. How are you this morning? And it's not too bad of a day out there to be hitchhiking, but it's still 33 degrees. Yeah, well, be careful. Yes. Okay, now, how many countries are we going into right now? Well, I haven't checked for a few days, but we're at about 82 countries, about 145,000 hits. Oh, wow. So we're still picking up a few countries We're getting hit a lot, aren't we? We're getting hit. Yeah. <laughs> so how have you been? I've been great. Had a good New Year, good, uh, good. get-together with the family and one thing or another, and okay. just had a good time this last week. The older people get in their life, the more they start to dress like the baby at New Year's with the pens on. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Oh, okay. I'm just checking. Uh, What are we going to talk about today? Well, I'm going to talk about a lady by the name of Mary Graves. Mary Ann Graves. G-R-A-V-E-S. Yes. And uh, my opening statement is going to kind of explain historically what her story is. Okay. okay. And I'm going to quote from a historian that describes her. He says, Mary Ann Graves was a lovely girl of tall and slender build Mm -hmm. and exceptionally beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when we get done with the story, I'm going to show you a picture, Zeb. So in other words, some of the words didn't really explain how she looked. Like I said, I'm going to show you a picture at the end. You're going to wait till the bitter end. (laughs) I am. Okay, I'll look for it. All right. So, okay, let's uh, get going here. If she had stayed in Indiana where she was born on November 1st, 1826, she might have married the boy next door, taught students to read and write at a schoolhouse in her hometown, and lived out her days watching her children and grandchildren grow up on the family farm. Her life, however, took a different course when her family joined the Donner Party in, in 1846 and headed west. So you know which direction we're kind of going right uh, here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Mary was 19 when her father, Franklin, made the decision to move his family to California. The Graves joined a wagon train organized by George and Jacob Donner and another guy by the name of James Reed. And he's going to come into play here in a little bit. Okay. And their families, of course. So the initial group set out from Springfield, Illinois in April and was joined by additional members when it reached Independence, Missouri. Franklin and Elizabeth Graves and their nine children joined the Donner Party in August at Fort Bridger, Wyoming with their belongings. Mm -hmm. And they actually had everything piled into three large wagons. But you can imagine, with nine children, mom and dad, they must have had a lot of stuff to, to bring. Wow. So Mary was excited about the journey. She had no doubt heard stories of the golden land of opportunity and couldn't wait to see its riches for herself. 
She knew her family might experience difficulties getting there, but that did not put a damper on her gleeful spirit. She was a, a happy person. Gleeful. Gleeful, yes. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, that's a good way to describe her. I like that Gleeful. She was ugly but gleeful. No, she was beautiful <laughs> oh, at this okay. time. All right, all right. But she didn't care. You know, the trail was treacherous, and she wasn't afraid of the Indians that guarded the way. She placed all her faith in God and her father to get her and her family to their new home safely. Okay. Now, historical records note that Mary was a beautiful young lady with dark eyes and long, wavy black hair. Face that would stop a clock. Yeah, I'll show you later. (laughs) (laughs) But she captured the attention of the many of the 22 single men in the party. Really? Yeah, 22. But... They were all blind. (laughs) No, she was good looking, I think. (laughs) But she was engaged to a guy by the name of John Schneider, the driver of one of her father's teams. He played on the Dukes of Hazard too. Well, we're going to, you'll see how far he got here. Oh, okay. Okay. So here we are. It's October 5th, 1846. Now, John Snyder, the fiance, and a guy by the name of Milton Elliott, another driver, got into kind of a heated argument over whose team was the fastest. Mm-hmm. So they had a little race up a hill, and when their teams got tangled up, John, the fiance, Snyder, became mad, furious, and he started cussing at Elliot and beating his livestock with a whip. Okay, now at this point, Reed, one of the train organizers, stepped in and tried to calm him down. Yeah. Now, Snyder thought Reed was threatening him, and he jumped off his wagon and beat Reed over the head with the butt end of his heavy whip. That's not good. No. No. Now, Mary was looking on in absolute horror. Yep. Well, when Reed managed to stand up and wipe the blood from his eyes, his wife ran over to help him, and Snyder hit her over the head, too. Oh, he did a no-no. That was not good. Mm -mm. Well, Reed did what I think almost anybody would have done. He pulled out a knife. Oh, no. And stabbed him. So Mary's intended died 15 minutes later. So the stunned onlookers, they were outraged. They wanted to hang Reed, even though he was the one that was attacked. Yeah. Well, Mary was asked to sit in judgment of him, but she refused, and Reed, at this point, was banished from the group. And I don't know whatever happened. So he's the guy that gets picked on and gets whooped on, and he fights back and defends himself, and then he gets banished. He gets banished. Something's wrong with this picture. Yeah. So, anyway, I I don't know whatever happened to him and his crew. Well, basically, the gleam in Mary's eyes had started to fade. The journey west was grueling. In addition to having battled the heat and rough terrain, the party had taken a, quote, shortcut to California that actually took them several hundred miles out of their way, which, again, put them behind in getting to California. Several hundred miles could amount to like a month and a half, two months. Yeah, quite a, quite a while. Yeah. So, but lack of water and a variety of petty arguments like the one between Snyder, Elliot, and Reed created a lot of strife among the party members. And at this point, their food was running low and many of their oxen and horses had been stolen by Indians. Well, Mary and the others finally reached the Sierra Nevada mountains on October 28th, 1856. Now, that's getting late in the year. Oh, yeah. Generally, this final pass brought joy to weary immigrants, but it brought terror and dismay to the Donner Party. They could see dark skies ahead. Well, and of course, you know what happened. Soon, the winter storm clouds dumped six inches of snow on the travelers, and basically, they were trapped. And the snow prevented them from going any further. Well, the immigrants quickly built crude cabins near a lake to protect them from the cold. 
Mary's family shared their, shared their tiny makeshift home with another large family in the party. And of course, food was scarce. Time passed and the snow just continued to fall day after day. So here we are. It's mid-December. Mary, her father, and a guy named Charles Stanton realized that they would have to organize a team and go for help. So 15 members of the group, including Mary, her father, her sister, her brother-in-law, and two Indian guides volunteered to be part of the party and make their way over their summit to Sutter's Fort. So here's 15 people that are headed out on a rescue they're, mission. They're going to leave. They're going to leave. Yeah. So they were wearing snowshoes made from ox bows and cowhide, and they carried enough provisions to last only six days. Well, this forlorn hope party set off. They soon encountered snow drifts that varied in depth from 12 to 60 feet. And they really had no idea where they were going. Not really. They, they kind of knew which direction. But again, uh, you know, you and I have lived around here for years, and you've seen snow drifts. Uh, yeah. But I don't know that I've ever been around any that are 12 to 60 feet deep. 60? 60. That's a heap so, of a lot of snow. Yeah. Well, Mary Graves trudged through the thick blanket of white with oh, all wow. strength she had. And, okay, in December 1846, here's what she wrote in her diary. She said, we had a very slavish day's travel, climbing the divide. Nothing of interest occurred until reaching the summit. Oh, my. The scenery was too grand for me to pass without notice. The changes being so great, walking now on loose snow and stepping on hard, slick rock a number of hundred yards in length, being little in the rear of the party, I had a chance to observe the company ahead, trudging along with packs on their back. Now, Zeb, I like this story because it it takes excerpts from her diary. Really? And I, so I it to, uh, kind of basically gives a truth to it. Right. And okay. I take a lot more credibility with yeah. when it's people's diaries. Yeah. Well, generally, the, the 15 traveled without saying a word, their eyes fixed on the ground. The fatigue and dazzling sunlight made some of them, such as Charles Stanton, snowblind. Well, every day, Charles fell further and further behind the others. On the third day, Charles staggered into camp long after the others had finished their meager meal. He never complained, but struggled daily to keep pace with the others. And Mary's heart broke for him. She felt sorry for this poor guy. Well, on the fifth morning, the members of the Forlorn, Forlorn Hope set out, leaving Charles behind at the smoldering campfire, smoking a cigarette. Mary was worried. She ran back to Charles and asked him if he was coming. Yes, he replied, I am coming soon. Well, all day long, Mary kept looking back to see if Charles had caught up with the party. And by the day's end, she knew he wasn't coming. And indeed, Charles Stanton had died. Uh-oh. Well, Mary's father... And two other men were the next to die. Before Franklin Graves passed away, he called his two daughters to his side. And he said, you have to do whatever you can to stay alive. Think of your mother and brothers and sisters in the cabin at the lake. If you don't make it to Sutter's Fort and send help, everyone at the lake will die. I want you to do what you have to do. And there's kind of an insinuation there, but we yeah. won't go into that yet. I have a question for you, but I don't want to get involved in slowing you down, so I'll ask it in a few minutes. Okay. So here we are. We're down to the remaining 11 members of this party sat down in the snow to discuss plans. Yeah. And here again, Mary described in her, in her diary what the party talked about. Here's what she said. We held a consultation whether to go ahead without provisions or go back to the cabins where we must undoubtedly starve. 
Some of those who had children and families wished to go back, but the two Indians said they would go on to Captain Sutter's. I told them I would go too, for to go back and hear the cries of hunger from my little brothers and sisters was more than I could stand. I would go as far as I could, let the consequences be what they might. Mm. And again, that's taken from her diary. Wow. Well, as the party continued on together, another furious storm bombarded the Sierras. Sierras. Uh, more men died and the women were weakening. It had been 12 days since the rescue team had left their loved ones and friends at the cabin. They had walked so many miles that their feet were bleeding. They were starving. They were cold. And so remember at the beginning I said they had food for six days. Yeah. And now we're at 12. Oh, boy. And Mary's diary again described the, the horror that she endured. She said, Our only chance for campfire for the night was to hunt a dead tree and set fire to it. The hemlock being the best and generally the largest timber, it was our custom to select the driest we could find without leaving our course. When the fire would reach the top of the tree, the falling limbs would fall all around us. Sometimes the falling blazing limbs would brush our clothes, but they never hit us. We would sit or lie on the snow and rest. Now, Zeb, I've never been in the mountains where I've had to uh, actually build a on my own a, a fire out of it when it's wet and cold. But what they did, as I mentioned in her diary, they just uh, found a tree and lit the whole tree on fire. Mm-hmm. So, which is probably the the best way to keep warm. You know, one of the questions I've got to ask there. You mentioned there were two Indians in the party. Yes. Now, why weren't the Indians of all people that are very relevant to that kind of a environment? Why couldn't they go out and find food. I mean, there's animals and stuff like that, that whether it was with snares or whatever, they could have trapped. You know, that's a good question, and it really doesn't, uh, I'm only going to assume that they may, they must have tried, I'm yeah. thinking, because uh, you're right, they they knew how to get food up in the mountains. Yeah. So, but the, uh, one bright spot here, one morning, Mary and a man named William Eddy struck out on their own to find food. They'd gone two miles when they noticed a place where a deer had slept the night before. Mm-hmm. Well, the two burst into tears at the hope of finding the animal. They dropped to their knees to pray. When they sighted the buck, William fired his rifle at the buck, but the deer kept running. Uh-oh. But as you and I know, when you're deer hunting, sure. suddenly the deer dropped yep. in yep. the snow. Yep. And they, of course, they uh, cut it up, and uh, they did have some food. Well... Within a few days, there was nothing left of the deer, and starvation again set in. Only five women and two men still remained. So we're down to seven out of 15, so over half the party is now gone. Wow. So, but they traveled on day after day. Their strength was almost gone when someone noticed tracks in the snow. It was human tracks. Can you imagine the joy those footprints gave us, Mary said. We ran as fast as our strength could carry us. The group followed the tracks until they came in full view of a Washoe Indian camp. The Indian women and children stayed in, stared in amazement at the skeleton-like figures that came into their camp. Hmm. Well, obviously, they quickly fed the starving group and tended to their battered feet and other wounds. Now, it had been 32 days since the party had left the lake. Over a month. 32 days. And wow. they, as I mentioned earlier, they only had food initially for six days. 
So, uh, you know, again, they had they just didn't have the food. Well, Mary Graves no longer looked like she did when the journey began. Her eyes were dim and sunken. Her once perfect skin now had the appearance of baked leather. With good food and much care, her looks would be restored, but her spirit would never be the same. Mm. She had endured a hard trek across the pass to get help for her family and the other starving immigrants, but all she could think about was making sure that those back at the lake were saved. Well, relief parties from Sutter's Fort rescued Mary's family and the rest of the surviving members of the Donner Party in April. Now, remember, they got stuck in the end of October. October. Yeah, so here we are, April, about six months. Yeah. So Mary's mother and five-year-old brother had died. Mary and her sister, Sarah, were now in charge of their younger siblings. Well, the 46 remaining members of the party were escorted to Sutter's Fort, and uh, here the horrific tales of survival were relayed to the people, and it brought tears to their eyes, and, and we're all familiar with those stories of cannibalism. I want to go back and ask, though, when they got to the Indian tribe, what Indian tribe was it? Washoe. Washoe Indians. Um, And then they found white people also that were going to go back in a party and find the remaining survivors? Well, they continued on to Sutter's Fort, and I'm I'm just going to assume that the Indians helped them get to Sutter's Fort. Okay, well, the point I'm getting at is they were walking in conditions that they didn't know where they were actually for over 30 days. Right. How do you go about telling somebody well, they're over there. I mean, how do you give directions as to where the party was? You know, that's, that's a, amazing. That is, that's a great question, and I, I can only assume that they are going to assume uh, that there was a pass. Holy the people God, of but that's Sport. big country up it, there. It is. It is. Yeah. So, but anyway, Mary's mother was praised by the survivors for her charity. She was a generous woman who gave all she had uh, to give, and Mary was inspired by her mother's actions. Well, in 1847, Mary married a guy by the name of Edward Pyle, a member of the relief expedition that went to aid the Donner Party. Mm -hmm. The couple left Sutter's Fort with her brother and sisters and settled in the San Jose area, and it was here that she entered the teaching profession. Her career was interrupted when Edward disappeared shortly after they were married. Her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mary's search for her husband ended after a year when his murdered body was discovered. There was a guy by the name of Antonio Valencia was tried and convicted for the crime. Mm. But when they found his body, it was full of arrows because this Antonio wanted to give the impression that it was Indians that that had killed him. So he blamed the Indians, and the Indians got him. Right. Well, no. (laughs) The Indians didn't get Antonio. Oh. No, he was actually sentenced to be hanged, and Mary was determined that justice would be served. Now, on the off chance that a vigilante group would try to kill him, either by poisoning or shooting him before the execution date, Mary actually went to the prison every day and prepared the murderer's meals. Oh. So, anyway, in 1852, Mary uh, married... Oh, yeah, there goes your cell phone. <laughs> of all things during our show, you got to leave your cell phone going. People in China are telling you to turn your cell phone off. <laughs> That's the first time I have not turned it off. <laughs> like that scared me to death. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, okay, so the end of the story. We're, luckily, we're getting to the end here. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> anyway, Mary married a sheep rancher by the name name of J.D. Clark, and she actually became the region's first school teacher, and she educated generations of children, including the six children that she and J.T. had. So she actually became the mother of six children. I see. 
But Mary always stayed close to her home. Other members of the Donner Party eventually returned to the place of horror, so to speak, as Mary called it. But she never did. She would mm. never go back. Yeah. And uh, all she wanted to do was to forget the tragedy. But So Mary Ann Graves Pyle Clark died of pneumonia at the age of 75 years old. Mm. Now, I'm going to show you... I know, but while I give a question right there, I could never understand when I've read other stories about the Donner Party, etc., why somebody with any kind of logic, any kind of common sense would have said, whoop, wait a minute, we need to turn around and go back until spring. And I think that's the ultimate question. Yeah. You know, you're the end of October... You get the heck out of the hills. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe they'd heard stories of other people that had made it through that late. Yeah, but when you're at point A going up over a mountain and the weather gets bad, it would appear to me to say, mm, let's turn around and go back to point B that we just came from. You know, to me that makes absolute sense. Uh, why stay there or why even try to go farther? When you could have Into turned the around. unknown, yeah. Right. Yeah. Why not turn around and at least yeah. go back to where the, the lower elevation Absolutely. where maybe there was water and food? Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to show you a picture here. Okay, Jeff. we'll hold it up for our friends at home. Oh, my. Now, this had to be when she was older, I'm going to guess. I'm saying she was an antique. <laughs> <laughs> she was a lovely lady. On a uh, scale of 1 to 10 for being homely, she's a 37. <laughs> You know, I'm sure she was a sweet lady. Hold that up again. I want to make sure. Can I have a couple of copies? Like, I'll scare the coyotes away at night over here. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I, again, I'm going to assume that this is when she was must have been about 70 years old. You put that on the door of your car and you'll never get hit. No, no. She was. Uh, <laughs> She's something. But again, Six kids, you say, yeah, huh? But again, at the beginning, I said that a historian said a lovely girl, tall, slender build, and exceptionally beautiful. With a jaw like a linebacker. <laughs> but, you know, I guess everything's relative. Hey, Deanne, you got to come in and see this bathing beauty queen of 1840. <laughs> oh, my. But, you know, the book I'm reading out of is talking about frontier teachers. And this was Mary Graves, uh, who became a teacher in, in the San Jose area. <laughs> Look at so, my wife. Look at my wife's face like, yep, she's a real keeper. <laughs> <laughs> she reminds me of a movie star, but I'm not sure which one. Oh, uh, Harpo Marx. And not, and not of the female variety. You're right. Anyway, that was a good story. Well, I, I've always enjoyed You know what we ought to do as a follow-up to this next week uh, on the Donner Expedition and maybe find out from, I know there's books out there that question why they did things the way they did. Maybe you could do some research on that. Let me see what I can come up with because okay. I've always been fascinated with stories of survival and who survives and who doesn't yeah. and why. Yeah. So, uh, well, okay, quickly, I'm almost out of time. Uh, tell everybody in the world how they can tune in to dr-history.com. Just dr-history.com, oh, just really? as you said. <laughs> okay. And we're at 82 countries. About 145,000 hits, and there's got to be about between 45 and 50 stories on there now. Okay, and uh, none of the countries have severed relations with the United States. Well, we don't know that for sure. Yeah, we got to watch that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we'll see you next week right here, same All time, right. same station. You have a good day, Zeb. I will, my friend. Dr. History, the best in the West, right here.